0: Twenty-four minutes after seven PM is the time you tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. Joined on the line to take a look at the latest in company news in the markets. Markets have enclosed just over, or just under two and a half hours uh, ago. And uh, yeah, JSE relatively flat today, but uh, we also did see some uh, strength uh, on the side of the South African currency, uh, the rand. Uh, But joining me to uh, talk about that and uh, so much uh, more in the markets. Roy Motoni, analyst out at APSA Asset Management. Roy, good evening. Welcome.
1: Good evening, uh, Bronga, and thanks for having me. Yeah, hope you're well. Absolutely.
0: Roy, let's start out at Tongat. Uh, I found uh, what I might call a very terse statement uh, coming out of a company that certainly hasn't crowned itself in glory in the last while. Um, and uh, it seems... Uh, for them, they're saying, well, we have to go into business rescue. Our recapitalization didn't work. Our debt burden is just uh, insurmountable, seemingly. And, um, yeah, we now find ourselves a few steps away from a potential liquidation if things don't change.
1: Yeah, this is this is the never-ending story. So, so if, if I took you back a few years ago, I think it was like 2019, give or take, um, you had an old management team that, at the time, seemed to be very respectful, but over time it realized we' doing stuff that wasn't um particularly above board. Um, and And the company had incredible amounts of gearing and and they weren't doing well at all. Fast forward to today, they sold a few assets, they got in some cash, they restructured some debt, but they were, they were completely unable to get to the point where they could do they could settle all their debt. So they tried a rights issue, some activists opposed them, um, and they've reached this point where the South African business just cannot support the debt that, that it has. So the outside South Africa businesses, the Zimbabwe, Botswana businesses, are all cash flow positive and everything, but the South African business just cannot support its debt. And remember, in that South African business is a lot of land, and this is where the problem began that they were unable to sell that land or or redevelop it. And this is land somewhere in Durban and that area. Um, and that tied up a lot of capital. And most likely now it's overvalued relative to what you can you can get from developers or, or people like that. So they've put them in a tough corner. Yeah, and I and I guess, I mean, this issue for me,
0: firstly, their balance sheet has always been something very difficult to decipher um, and maybe mm-hmm. it's because I guess my, my accounting skills aren't too good so I'm not too sure but also mm-hmm. I guess how it it seems like the matter of their former executives being treated with kid gloves in the sense announcement I mean saying that uh, the issue of alleged financial misstatements uh, when mm-hmm. I think what has happened here is probably you know ranks as you know rank criminality and malfeasance and all of the other adjectives that we always have uh, in great supply for you know many of those in the public service, but uh, seemingly in limited supply for those in the private sector.
1: I think we have to look at it in two ways. Um, first of all, the case is in front of court, sure um, as, as it is and and they have been accused and there's evidence that's being adduced and there's progress. But I think if you if come back to where the ban- the issue of the balance sheet, I mean Warren Buffett had a perfect statement about this that leverage is like you driving a car with, uh, with a knife in the steering wheel you, when you're driving normally it's fine but if you have to brake or something suddenly happens you could actually end up stabbing yourself so so in a normal in, in normal companies leverage at the best of times is something that needs to be very carefully considered But when there's malfeasance, misstatements, and things like that, the likelihood is that that leverage is that dagger to the heart. And that's what this company finds itself in. Um, They probably borrowed too much trying to postpone the problem. I guess like you and I would is that they knew what they were doing. And now the burden falls on to shareholders. So so I think the legal process has to move, and the, the wheels of justice go slowly. Um, but there's a company to run their employees who need to be paid and um, there there's a business that needs to move and and that's where the difficulty of all of this is and that's where maybe i feel i see some i feel sorry for the employees and the people who were not directly responsible and hopefully these guys the man, the old management team gets gets what's coming to them
0: yeah, you know uh, and I guess also. For them, some regional challenges and issues as well, repatriation of profits in Mozambique, uh, adjustments out in Zimbabwe. um, A big part, it seems, of, uh, I guess, the business rescue process and being able to salvage this firm, certainly from the firm itself, has a lot to do with uh, the disposal of some assets. So um, should we expect some fire sales here? And, um, you know, who's out there wanting to buy sugar milk?
1: So, so the beauty of business rescue is it disconnects the company from its shareholders. Mm. So, so immediately now, it is, it is to the benefit of the other stakeholders. So the shareholders sit on the sidelines, and the business rescue practitioners look at the business from an objective perspective. So in all likelihood, um, a separation of the businesses is, is very possible, and a fire sale or a liquidation of the South African business it's very likely. Um, very few companies actually ever emerge, but we you will find buyers for the Botswana business, for the Zimbabwean business, because they're all profitable. But the core of your problem is in SA, and the malfeasance that we've been talking about came from poor management, and it's accumulated over time, and that's why this business is so hard to rescue. You, you, you have to pay down the debt. You have to get proper management. You have to get a proper strategy. And then you have to start running it commercially. So the question that business rescue practitioners will have is, is there even such a possibility? And remember, your biggest problem now is interest rates are rising. Capital is more expensive. It's scarcer. The rand is weaker. People are more comfortable going into more stable, predictable cash flows. There's very little space for speculative investments, which this would be
0: yeah only time will tell uh, how this particular one unfolds and uh, whether we might be seeing i guess some you know uh, hard-hitting streaming platform documentary following this one as well because it has all the makings of one i mean uh, you know, illegal cigarette trade cross-border <laughs> flows related party transactions you know all all the makings of the stuff that we like to watch uh, uh, roy but let's shift our oh. attention yeah yeah let's shift our attention to astral talk to me about the feed problem. I mean, I I found out in the set of numbers, um, I knew feed costs were a big part of the costs of getting a broiler, a live broiler, Mm -hmm. reared up. I didn't know it was 70% of the costs. And um, I guess with the way we are, some difficulties um, certainly in the fertilizer market, which are passed on to the production of yellow maize used Mm -hmm. as feed. There's also Mm -hmm. the uh, Suffix Futures story as well, which of course uh, then means that uh, the feed is coming at a much dearer cost for many of the poultry producers, a cost that they find difficulty passing on to you and me.
1: So, so if you think of it this way, a chicken is simply uh, a process, a processor that converts carbohydrates or grain into protein. That's pretty much. What it.
0: an unsentimental way to think of it. <laughs>
1: And, and, and over time, it's supposed so. to be one of the cheaper proteins available. Mm. Very healthy and all of that. But what you've seen from the time, even before the Ukraine war, is the because of climate change, because of droughts and everything, the price of this feed has been rising. So 70% of the cost of um, of growing this chicken is this volatile commodity. Now, on the other side, the price is capped by... The fact that it's it's you and me or or people who don't have that much income who buy this who buy the chicken, so they're not that tra- price elastic. They they only have a certain amount of their wallet that is dedicated towards growing so, food. So. so as inflation has risen, they're in they're unable to spend that much. So the company that produces it has to invest upfront, and they struggle. So the strange thing about this result is. The, the year ended, September 2022, mm. looks fantastic, hmm. um, but the outlook looks horrible, and that's where you can see the management has reached the end of their tether. They don't have much protection in the market. The raw material hedges they may have had have probably rolled out, um, and the prices have remained incredibly high, so... What they're warning is that when you look at all of this and the fact that the consumer incomes aren't growing, then they're going to have a problem over the first half. Hmm.
0: Yeah, and uh, I I guess the other element to this is, you know, they flag trade policy questions. They also flag the disruptions to the adjust-in-time production approach uh, by, uh, I guess, the disruption wrought on all of us by ESCOM. Talk to me just about this one as well, Roy. I mean, just-in-time in the rearing of chickens means what?
1: <laughs> just-in-time means that um, you don't carry large inventories of feed mm. because of this cost variation. So you, 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 what, what you want to do is to, is, is to make sure that as it arrives, and also remember this, the whole process of grandfathering and fathering and getting the day-old chicks, to land exactly on time and ensuring you only grow them for that—is it 36 days or whatever time it takes? When, when so, so that's that's the just in time. If anything interrupts it, any additional day that you use is cost, mm. which you're not going to be able to recover in revenue. That's the problem. Sure. M- maybe
0: then the. The other question, just on uh, the issue of astral, before we uh, head out and take a look at some of the other news that came through, uh, mm-hmm. which are also linked to this, I mean the production, uh, um, you know, uh, producer price index also very mm-hmm. much linked to some of the issues that were flagged in this uh, set of statements. This inability that you mentioned earlier, uh, or the mm-hmm. price in in elasticity, mm-hmm. um, when we think about that alongside allegations of significant dumping of poultry products and particular bone-in portions in mm-hmm. South Africa. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the difficulty that that then poses for a domestic producer, just for the benefit of some of our listeners, might might be he- helpful to explore.
1: So, so think about it this way. The, the chicken that's imported here as um, in or whatever tends to be the surplus in Brazil or or in the U.S. So they produce the chicken at the same cost mm. as we have here they cut out the parts that they like and they sell so that they recover the full cost of the chicken. Now, the parts that they don't like are the parts that we like. So they've already recovered their costs and made their money. So they export those parts to us at basically no, well, at, at, at whatever cost of recovery they can get. Mm. So, so the local guy here who produces the full chicken, has to cut it up, slaughter it, or go through the full 30-40-day thing, cut it up, slaughter it, and all of that. It says to the full cost. But you and I can go to the shop and get this, um, the leg portion or whatever that the importer basically got at marginal cost. That's what they're trying to even out. Now, the importers say it's not their problem. What they're doing is they're reducing the cost of protein to the consumer. And ultimately, that's what we want. But here's the thing. If we outsource all of our production to Brazil and to the U.S. and everything, what happens when they have shortages? Then we're done. And then we've de-industrialized as well. So, so that's why it's not as simple as saying, let the local guys be more efficient. You can't be more efficient producing a whole chicken compared to somebody importing leg portions. It's yeah. just not going to happen.
0: Yeah, and of course um, they export it or import it into your country at a cost nowhere near the cost it takes to produce anything. So Because, as Absolutely. you said, it's a waste product in many of those markets.
1: Exactly. So, so it's a complex thing, and it requires proper policies that mm. have, um, at, at the end of the day, to keep the cost of the consumer low, but also to encourage production domestically sure. so that we maintain our food security.
0: Interestingly, I mean, I guess, uh, and, and I made the point earlier, the producer price index uh, data, mm-hmm. which came out, interesting things for me. And let's maybe start out in agriculture, which is linked to the story of uh, Astral. Mm-hmm. And a lot of uh, releases by stats I say today, I must say, I mean, capital spending in the public sector, construction oh. pricing uh, or, price, uh, or construction materials price index also coming out. But in agriculture, oh. the bulk of annual percentage changes in PPI coming through from uh, forestry uh, and fishing uh, Mm -hmm. and uh, agriculture in the main, 13.2 percentage points is driving that uh, and fishing probably a smaller proportion. But um, the one I found interesting was out in mining. Main contributors Mm -hmm. to the 30.1% increase if we compare September this year, 2022, Mm -hmm. to September last year. Main contributors, coal and gas. Um, No surprises there. Uh, But also, I guess... uh, the implications, not just for miners, but other downstream actors who use gas as an input, uh, what would those be?
1: Think about it this way. The producer price impacts your gross margin. So it pays for labor. and sure. everything. If it's up 16% already, um, how are you going to pass that on to your customers? Mm. You can't. You have to take it on the chin. Especially if you don't but set the price. Exactly. Mm. And then when it goes, when you take it on the chin, your employees want 6% or 10% wage increases. Um, you still have to meet up with ESCOM at some point. Um, it's impossible to operate. That, that, is the, that is what a 16% PPI tells you, mm. that is significant margin pressure. Um, the likelihood of investment growing is incredibly low because there's nothing that you can invest in that produces the adequate adequate returns. Um, and, and it just tells you it's actually very difficult. And then energy is at the core of any level of industrialization. So whether it's diesel, which is used for transport, mm. finances, and all of that, or gas, which is also used in the production process, for so long as inflation there remains out of control, um, the, the natural thing to do would be to stop production. Yeah. When you stop production, that has other implications. Oh. So, yeah, no, it is difficult times. When you speak about an imminent recession, this is what we're talking about. Exactly. Roy,
0: mm-hmm. we'll have to leave it here tonight. I would have loved for us to touch on uh, the uh, Road Accident Fund and Discoveries Matter, but mm-hmm. unfortunately we have run out of time. Always a pleasure catching up with you. Thank you very much for your time.